What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I'll bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash podcast for your free audio download. Yeah. Okay, you, are you ready to start? I'm ready. <laughs> Everyone sign? Yes. Good. On we go. You're listening to the Tom Bernard Podcast with Catherine Brandt. I met the missus at paintball. Shot her in the neck. Alex Brandt Bernard. Andy Brandt Bernard. Are you my daddy? Tony Lee. What's the matter with you people? I was joking! <laughs> and Sean Bernard. Look at that boyish face. I'm gonna fucking lose my mind! Audible is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer, smartphone, and MP3 player. Listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today at audiopodcast.com slash tbpodcast. The books I'm recommending this week are Michael Chabon, Telegraph Avenue, J.K. Rowling's new book, The Casual Vacancy, William Davis, Wheat Belly. Nice. It didn't sound like a Native American. (laughs) Cassandra Clare's City of Fallen Angels and Vince Flynn's Executive Power. We did Kill Shot last week. Oh, nice. You have to change these every week. so I I would imagine so. I wanted you to know that. (laughs) AudiblePodcast.com slash TV podcast. It is time to begin, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It's an unusual show because... Part one, Chris Cluey uh, came in to talk about several things. We got to a lot of subjects. Vince Flynn showed up uh, at the end of that show, so that was great. So now this is Vince's uh, Vince's show, but Chris Cluey's agreed to stay for a few minutes to be on the beginning of that. <laughs> I just think it's, it, it's fascinating that you guys have never run into one another. But you, you don't really get out that much, do you? No, no. I'm pretty much on my couch or I'm practicing at the uh, facility. <laughs> I, and I don't get out much more anymore. You don't anymore either. Especially since my diagnosis. It's just... I don't either. It's uh, There's certain things I don't... I can't... I don't eat red meat anymore. I try to eat organic and right. uh, healthier and 
There's not a lot of restaurants in town that can accommodate that. We should uh, let everyone know that you're doing extremely well. PSA zero. Uh, my last scans looked great. Said uh, really had gone from a year ago. Uh, not even really. I was limping horribly. I was in a lot of pain. Um, now I feel fantastic. It was an interesting thing because when when the diagnosis came down, Vince and I talked quite a bit, and I said to him, "Yeah, because we're very good friends." I said to him. I'm going to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. He goes, <laughs> and I remember you said, you said, you're probably the only guy that understands that's what I need. Yeah. You yeah. really don't. There, there's a, it, everybody handles it differently. You know, some people need it. Some people mm-hmm. will curl up in a ball and say, why is me? You know, why, why me? God, what did, you know, why are you being a jerk? Uh, that thought never crossed my mind. It was just, I've been a. I've led a very blessed life. I got a great wife, great career, great kids, and mm-hmm. it, and it happened. Your choice is then. You know, it's Chris. It's a little bit like being down, you yeah. know, fourteen points at halftime, <laughs> and you know, some clown walks in the locker room and says, "We're fucked." Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not yeah. the way you handle yeah, that. Not not good. Uh, no, you know, you you no, uh, you gotta you gotta just kind of knuckle down and. Uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of faith, uh, and you got to fight for it. Yep. And my doctors down, you know, Bill Utes here in town and Eugene Kwan down at the Mayo Clinic have all said their their patients that stay positive live, and the ones that just throw up their arms and say this sucks, they tend to not do very well. That's what I understand. Yeah, and some people want to be surrounded. Mm-hmm. I needed to just be there and get focused. Um, and you get sick of talking about it. That's the other yeah. thing about well, cancer. Yeah, yeah. It, it becomes so about you. Yeah. And my life is enough about me with my job. No, no question. You know, you just, yeah. you don't, you get sick. I <laughs> say, I do not understand how these politicians do it. Every yeah. time I go on tour, two, three days into it, I call my wife and I say, I am so fucking sick of hearing myself speak. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is, I, I can't stand it. And I don't know how, you know, these guys are, when I go on tour for a month, those guys, it's that month times about five. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how you don't just absolutely jump off the stage one day and do a face plant. It becomes nauseating. i got to tell you something fascinating. But I was told this, and Chris has not told me that this is true, but uh, several people have told me it takes you uh, to read an average about 300, what's the average now, about 365 pages? Yeah, so I'd say 350. 350. Yeah. It takes you a half an hour to read that. No, book. that's way too quick. Probably like three hours. Three and a half hours. Three and a half. That's yeah. not what Hagen told me. Yeah, no, he, he was probably fabricating there. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I I read very quickly. I've always been able to, and it's yeah. uh, you know it's it's books are something I really enjoy. I, I really enjoy reading a lot because you know you you can learn a lot of different concepts and ideas from a lot of different people. Yeah, well, there's no question about that. I would so it basically would take him about. Uh, about 45 hours, about a work week to read your your library. The entire library, or I thought where you were going with that is it would take him 15 minutes to read the third option. <laughs> the third option. <laughs> it would take you about 15 minutes to read that. Hey, I have a question for Chris, because usually you like, to, you like to lull me to sleep when I'm on live. And then uh, announce that a guest. On you. Yeah, you get, I'll sit there in the studio for two hours reading the newspaper, and all of a sudden, hey, we come back for the next break. Vince Flynn's going to interview our next guest, and I'm like, what? Oh, that's right. You did the interview. Who did you interview? Yeah. Well, you did a great I job. No, I, I did the, I, I did it just kind of to make you laugh. But my first question was, so where'd you go to high school? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was your major? <laughs> what, was your major? <laughs> what parish are you from? Uh, 
but I got a question. You're a special teams guy. Yep. I uh, great game on Sunday against Detroit. Thank you. When you uh, being a special teams guy, do you do you cringe for the uh, for the mm. Lions mm. special teams coach? Are you sitting there going, "This yeah. guy might be out of a job by five o'clock tonight"? Yeah, it's 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 tough because on the one hand, we're really excited that you know obviously we're scoring points and helping the team win, but on yep. the other hand, I've been on that side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had quite a few run-ins with Devin Hester over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I know how you are. Feels. You are a big part of Devin's oh, yeah. highlight reel. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad I could come into the league with the best returner of all time. Of all time yeah. In the same division. Yeah, in the same division. Thanks. Thanks for that. Oh. But yeah, no, it, it, it sucks because we're all out there, you know, trying to do our job to the best of our ability. And sometimes it it just doesn't work out. It's it's just, you know, no matter what you game plan, no matter what you tell guys, you know, sometimes either guys miss their assignments or the other team just outplays you. Executes. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I think that's one thing fans sometimes forget is that everyone on the field is trying to win the game, not just your team. It's, yeah. You know, both sides right. are doing their best to try and win. So. No. Okay, so I haven't even met your wife, and she's going to hate me. So you better, you better get going. <laughs> All right. You well, can please come back very soon. Oh yeah, yeah. Fascinating subject. Yeah, whenever you want. Oh god, it's it's the greatest, and and you'll you'll get there in time to get back to the airport, won't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got time. Oh, so, good. We, their flight's not to like two fifty-five, so I made sure I, I built in some buffer room. Because <laughs> you knew I'd do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always better to be safe than sorry. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you. So, well, cool. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. I'll give you a quick call. Drive carefully. Don't speed. Okay. I'll I'll try not to. It's it's one hundred and ten is the bad one, right? That's yeah, one hundred and ten. That's they call it the Adrian Peters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Cluey, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, talking about several different subjects. We've never done this. Well, I think we did it one other time with Louis Anderson and uh, Wendy Wendy Liebman, where one interview kind of bled over into the other. Well, they were just both at the same interview. It was technically <coughs> Louis. Well, that was the whole but, time. Yeah, Wendy was there too. Oh, the really? whole thing. Yeah, but uh, it just turns out to be a lot of fun going on that way. Chris is leaving the building now. So Vince, Thomas. Oh, oh, Catherine, had you move over? So she's sitting in her spot. I don't think I've heard Tony speak in about uh, half an hour. Is he even there anymore? Tony. Yeah, he had to leave. Oh, he did? Oh, well. Tony went to the restroom. Uh, he said he that did. he wasn't going to be here for the uh, second interview. Oh, he's so not going to be for the second interview? I think he just interview. dropped. All right. Oh, I, well. I wish I would have known he was going to do that. All right, so I had kind of a cool deal. <laughs> Listen, oh, they're talking. <laughs> just out there schmoozing. You had, you had a what? I, I'm on the way over here, and yeah. my uh, my publicist from New York, David Brown, calls. Who's a great guy. He says, "What are you doing?" We're trying to get ready for interviews for the release in November, and he says, uh, "I told him, I said I'm going over to Tommy B's house for the podcast." Now this guy's in New York, mm-hmm. and this shows your reach. He says, "You know what? He's one of the top rated downloads." on uh, iTunes right now. He knew that? He knew all about it. Jesus, that's odd. So <laughs> he said to me, all right, do me a favor. He said, you got to announce on the podcast that if you go to VinceFlynn.com, we're going to give away an advanced reader's copy of The Last Man every Friday from now until the book pubs on November 13th. Jesus. Oh, my God, your Twitter fans are going to go crazy. They so you get a sneak peek. I put uh, the fact that you were going to be interviewed this week on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You got There's two sites. There's... Vince Flynn books, right? And uh, Vince Flynn fans. Vince Flynn fans, and they are all very excited about the fact that you're going to be on the podcast. Oh yeah, everybody on Twitter and Facebook. Well, this is the best format. 
It is a great format. It you is. know, as, as Tom and I have long joked, there's a certain radio station in town that uh, should be taught in every communication school across the country of how to take a flagship AM radio station and drive it into the ditch. Yeah, okay, <laughs> <get> the truth. <laughs> and one of the ways to do it is is ignore how the landscape changes. Right. And then decide that you're going to do. Is the traffic on the eights or nines now? Eights. Every eight minutes. And, uh, you know, Dave Lee is a lot of great people who I've known over the years. They're fantastic. It is so hard to do an interview when your your window to talk is three to four minutes, and then you have to stop. For eight minutes of commercials. And then you start again, and it's three to four minutes, and it stops. So, you know, there are a lot of good people over there. It's it's a really difficult format to to conduct any meaningful type of interview. Yeah, this is the the fact that... You know, in radio, they, people would not understand if all of a sudden you, you, we're interviewing Craig, uh, we're interviewing Chris Cluey, and then all of a sudden Vince Flynn shows up, and instead of going, oh, well, we got to cut this segment now, and we'll go to commercial, and then we'll be back with Vince Flynn. It's just you you just literally wa- walked into the room, sat yeah. down, and started bullshitting with Chris Cluey, who turns out is just a great guy. Very nice guy. Now, I know you, you, since you, this guy was one of your personal idols, it's very similar to the old Charlie Rose show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For your listeners who don't, who maybe don't understand this part of Tom, Tom does not like smug, arrogant people. I do not. <laughs> it's true. I'm not very, very. I don't do well on the smug, arrogant people no. deal, and, and Chris is not that at all. No, no, he's no. a wonderful, wonderful guy. But uh, what, what's the name of the new book? The Last Man. The Last Man. Pubs on November thirteenth. 45 days, according to Twitter, right? Yeah, readers <laughs> readers are a little confused uh, because normally I pub in the middle of October. That's what I thought. Oh. Last year, we actually had to bump it to February uh, because my cancer really yeah. flared up. And I started I, w- I started uh, radiation last August, beginning of August. And I, had to st- I-, I couldn't meet the deadline. Right. So we moved to That's February, and uh, sales were great. You know, the publisher was surprised because they kind of think of that as a dead zone time of the year for publishing. But with- they wanted to get back on the fall schedule this year, so we, we were going to pub the middle of October. And then um, found out that Grisham was coming out on- with a-, a book in the fall for the first time on the same day. Oh. And, um, you know, we're selling well, but he's still, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Right. And we started talking to David Brown, who heads publicity, and we're just saying, you know what? Nobody is going to be talking about anything other than the election for all of October. Yeah, that's very true. So let's move it to the week after, and, and we think it was a good move. I think it is, too. Well, I get back from Vegas then, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're always... <laughs> You're always in such a good mood when you get back and take it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's finally true. come to terms with that, maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. So, really? So maybe. The, the problem that I see there, and the only problem I see there is, uh, yeah, you're going to be on the road pretty much surrounding Thanksgiving, aren't you? No. Uh, you're not going to do it? I'm not going to tour. Uh, I didn't tour last uh, last book either. Um Part, a lot of it is my immune system with the cancer. I've got to be right. careful about you know how much interaction I have and uh, try to keep that as juiced as possible. And that there is this will be the 14th book, and there is not the previous 13, well, 12 tours because I didn't tour last time. I, I got deathly ill on every tour. Yeah, I'd finish the tour and come home and basically collapse, if not kind of collapse midway through it. Um, you just, you know, you're... Your day typically goes like this. You wake up at 5 in the morning, 
you pack, you jump in a car to the airport, you land in another city, you go to a morning radio station, maybe TV. Right. You run around and do a bunch of events during the day, um, and then you got a signing at night. And, you know, thank God the events were getting so big. I'd show up at 6 to do pre-signs, hit the stage at 7, talk for about 45 minutes, and I wouldn't get out of there till 10, 10, 30, oh, 11 God. o'clock. Yeah. Back to the hotel, you're trying to eat, pack, get up at 5 the next morning. Well, you're not just, eating well. You can't no, exercise. The other thing, you know, I, it really, the cancer woke me up to the fact that I, I couldn't eat at airports anymore unless it was fruit. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, the stuff is so filled with preservatives it's and it's just... And you feel that crap. So your immune system gets beat down. You're on airplanes. You're in hotel rooms. You're shaking thousands of hands. I don't, again, oh, yeah. I don't know oh, how God. these politicians do it. I, I have know. no idea. Some people love attention. Andy, well, do me a they, favor? I think yeah. you're right. You dial that 203 number on there. Why? Why somebody me? wants to say hello. Catherine, I think you're 100% right. <laughs> Which one? The 203 number. It's about the oh. fifth one down. Oh, you want me to dial it on? Oh, okay. On the show, yeah. <laughs> no, I thought you meant that. on your oh, cell oh. phone. I was like, oh, why? I, that's yeah. what I was just doing. I was just dialing phone. it for him. Um, yeah, you know, that's a very good. I didn't even realize. Well, I, you know, back when the show first started, 27 years ago, with Mark Rosen, uh, and it was just this huge thing. And I remember we went to a baseball game together, and people lined up to shake our hands for like yeah. an hour and a half. And I'll never forget it was because it's the first time it ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, before then I was just you know doing whatever. But I remember after I was done, I looked down at my hand and my hand was bleeding. So that's what it looked like. Now it turned out it was somebody else's blood. Yeah. Well, and if you know Tom, he instantly ran to the you know <laughs> CDC and said, "I've got AIDS. Oh, I know it." <laughs> the shit He's the worst. Yeah. Hi, hi, is Mitch there? Is Mitch. Mitch, uh, this is the Tom Bernard podcast, and there's a, a special guest we have on the show today, ladies and gentlemen, Mitch Dolan. Oh, jeez! <laughs> wow, Vince Flynn is with us. Mitch, uh, we, we are on the podcast, so you're going to become like internationally famous. Now. Well, that's very exciting. I am uh, firstly, Catherine. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> did Tom tell you about our conversation? No, he did where not. My this... big recommendation was more pictures of Catherine on the. Uh, <laughs> On the podcast page. No, he did not. Thank you very much, though. And the, uh, Vince, uh, I might have mentioned the same thing about Lisa. So I'm not saying it's appropriate, but it's what came to mind. Mitch, how's your reindeer sweater doing? That was the last time I saw you. Well, I have added to the. Uh, I have added to the collection. It's uh, it's very strong. I have a snowman. I have a Santa. We had a conversation last night. Mitch Dolan, by the way, to introduce him, was the uh, well, you're the president of ABC Radio. But that was your title? Uh, yeah, actually it was. Mitch was my boss, and he is, uh, and I can say this, and if somebody hears it and doesn't like it, they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, there it is. There you go. He, Mitch is, I wish to this day that Mitch Dolan was still my boss, because you, you were the greatest guy to work for in history. You know, it's not like uh, I'm dead or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just let Tom do whatever he wanted. That was always oh the best God. way to handle yeah, that's, it. Yeah, what, that, that's the uh, you know that's sort of the uh, mechanism. Just oh. agree with Tom and uh, and say yes. And How do you smart think I stayed married all these smart years? Smart managers get out of the way, right? Yeah, Mitch? yeah there you go. You we know when to get out of the way. Pretty what? similar to uh, you know the marriage strategy. How many guys? How many years have you guys been married now? Twenty-seven. Seems oh, like yesterday. I actually was asking Catherine that to see if she came up with the number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, well, she probably wouldn't. 16. So last night, by coincidence, you know, Vince is going to come in and do the podcast this morning. So I'm 
falling asleep in a chair. I had I had actually fallen asleep in a chair, and the phone rang, and I answered it. It's Mitch, and Mitch and I have not spoken. What has been fourteen months now? I think. I think it was the fourth of July, two thousand eleven. Too long. You irritated. It was him. way too long. <laughs> well, because I what? Because you irritated him. Because I irritated. Him. <laughs> so I said, so, "Fall asleep in the chair, though." That's uh, similar to what the listeners of your podcast are doing right hey. now. Hey, oh, here we go. Why did you call him? <laughs> so anyway, because he wanted to say hello to Vince. But <laughs> Mitch and I started talking about that that Christmas dinner we had. Oh, it was a riot. There were about oh, ten of us. Yes, it was Mitch and Fran, of course, hosting the thing. It was just a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, dinner setup. Drank some great wine. And so it was uh, Mitch and Fran, Vince and Lisa, Catherine and me, Brian Williams, who was smashed. <laughs> oh wait, that's right, he doesn't drink. Yeah, Brian Williams doesn't drink. But other than that. <laughs> His other, lovely wife, yeah, Jane. Yeah. Jane, she's really yeah, Jane. nice. We talked about Jane last night, as a matter of fact. And then Mitch got and the guitar out, and you started singing. We still, we we drank some really great wine, had yeah. wonderful food. We got the yeah. guitar out and started singing. All the one wrong the great, words. The only problem was there was one. What did they refer to him last night as again? I can't remember what it. What it, the other guy that was there. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck our what? Old, uh, our <laughs> what? Chairman uh, from from Citadel. Um, oh, well, him. You know when the, the guitar. One of the great things about uh, you guys is that you have, uh, you know, the guitar coming out and the stupid Beatles and Eagles songs. You have not heard all those, you know, so many, you know, dozens and, and hundreds of times, like my family and friends around here, who usually just run for the the, yeah. the, the exits when the. Uh, when that starts happening, so that was, uh, you know, that was greatly appreciated. Was and the words, Catherine, you know, who, who cares? About <laughs> yes. Yeah, who cares about Spoken that? like a true guitar player. She <laughs> never knows. I, I never know anyway. I reminded Mitch last night, he's sitting at the head of the table. It was in his house, so he's sitting where he's supposed to be at the head of the table. And he said, looking around the room at all, all the women, he said, I feel like I fell asleep and woke up on Planet Babe. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> Alex, um, our daughter Alex, who you met last now. Fourth of July, as a matter of fact, it sounds cheesy when you know when it's told that way. It was really in the it was cute context. then. It was, it was absolutely appropriate, it but was uh, slightly perverted. <laughs> slightly perverted. <laughs> Al, by the way, Mitch, Alex is here too. You met Alex. Alex, at, how are you doing? At the spectacular last Boy, year. Wow, this is. Uh, it's like the cast of Godspell. This is <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I get that a lot. So anyway, I'm going to get out of the way. Vince, I am. Uh, I am just waiting for November 13th. Well, I think I, uh, I, I think we might be able to slide you a copy beforehand. Well, that you know, I would not. Uh, I would not be so overt as to you know. Ask can you help that, facilitate that, Tommy? Yes, I can. You know what? Listen I to Mitch being all humble, uh, and we'll you know maybe when we get off the uh, the podcast here, Vince, we'll talk about how. Uh, in pursuit of honor, you know, you name just about everybody else that you, you know at the radio stations in New York, except you know, your old buddy. Except for your old buddy. Hey, Bernie McGurk yeah, got killed in the last book. Mitch, uh, oh, there's the uh, no more rooms for any more Mitches in that book. I guess. <laughs> well, we we can we could just go around telling everybody that he was named after you. Yeah. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what? You know what I love about this is Vince is nice enough to say we can get you an advanced copy and and Mitch Dolan. Yeah, I why well, I wouldn't go so far as 
When we showed up at Mitch's house that night, he had about 600 fucking books <laughs> stacked up for Vince to, to autograph. To how many, how many yeah. books was that, actually? Well, yeah, we had a, had a few of them. It's a, it's, that's a big deal. I mean, it, uh, the I don't season. know if you know this, Tom, but uh, he's, a, he's a fairly uh, successful and popular uh, popular author. Just, that's what I understand. Really? That out there. That's what I understand. Kind of you to say, Mitch. Well, it's all true. Mitch, say hello to Franny. And everybody else, tell tell Brian next time. We'll call him next time on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know that's uh, well. He starts uh, he starts working on nightly about uh, you know about five forty five. So uh, for six thirty broadcast, so he's not even up yet. <laughs> well, there you go. All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, Bye, Mitch. Bye, Bye. Mitch. One of the great guys. Seriously. I, and he is a great guy. There's, I mean, there's no reason for me to bullshit anybody. I loved working for he him. He was I, – I got a chance to <clears> – <throat> first time I met him, we were at Jack's Cafe uh, having dinner celebrating one of your new contracts, I think. Yeah. Just fantastic yeah. guy. And then I got to see him in New York every so often. I'd go into town. And that dinner up in Connecticut was just an absolute riot. That was an amazing dinner. That was that one was of my fun. favorite favorite dinners of all time. Yeah, got what him. was that? What was the guy's name? The uh, Wahid, what was the uh, Farid? Farid, that's uh, it. <coughs> yeah, our favorite fella. <laughs> Walked away for with thirty six million dollars, from what I understand, from the bankruptcy. Isn't that nice? Isn't that how just does that wonderful? work? So a year and a half later, he walked away with yeah, that much money. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That was an amazing situation. But uh, I don't. But Mitch is a huge fan of Vince. Not only a friend, but a huge fan of Vince's. So, when you I mentioned you were going to be on a movie coming, is, what? Oh, What's going on? Well, hopefully we have a movie coming out. Um, Bruce Willis agreed a month ago to play Stan Hurley in American Assassin, oh, and that's Mitch Rapp's mentor. Wonderful. Well, if so I get an email yesterday, forwarded from my agent in New York, from the agent in L.A. saying it's not done, they're still countering, CA wants more money, blah, blah, blah. So we thought it was done, but... And I think it still probably is. He wants to do it. CBS Films really wants him to do it. Um, but they won't start shooting until next August because his schedule is so busy. Oh, really? But he's a per- When I wrote that character, Stan Hurley, I mean, he appears in some other books, but when I wrote the young Stan Hurley, which, you know, he's in his mid-40s, I wrote it thinking of, of Bruce. Oh, you did? I, I, I kept thinking I wanted to take Bruce Willis. And then kind of give him uh, Don Imus's, you know, crabby attitude about life. <laughs> and and uh, he's one of my favorite characters I've ever written because he he he's a guy who's had so much success that he thinks basically everybody who is younger than him is an abject moron, and a lot of the people who are older than him are abject morons. Oh. And and so he and, and he has. He does not have the attention. He has the attention span of a gnat, not because he can't focus, but because he can't tolerate imbeciles. And he just wants people to understand that his way is the right way. And I've done this a hundred times, so just stop asking stupid questions and do what I tell you to do. Right. And it's kind of it was liberating to write that character because uh, yeah, you know these books are supposed to you know to a certain degree be escapism. Right. And um, a lot of people read these books because they would like to talk to their boss someday like that. Absolutely. They would like to stand up in a conference room and say <laughs> to somebody from the Justice Department, you are a fucking moron. <laughs> and I hate your guts and I hope you die. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Oh, man. So. Because I heard Matt Damon was going to. Was there, there was some discussion was of that. Discussion. I never took it seriously because he did Jason Bourne. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, That's and, what I was wondering. And, you know, we, we keep dancing around this issue of 
uh, you can deviate from the book. You have to. To a certain degree, you have to because if you tried to take American Assassin and film the whole thing, it'd be a 10-hour movie. So right. you got to cut a lot of stuff. Where I think uh, filmmakers blow it is when they deviate from kind of the core of the character. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 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 Lee Child is a good friend. And the Jack Reacher s- series is, is fantastic. And, and Jack Reacher is a six foot five. Uh, badass military former military policeman. Well, they cast Tom Cruise to play him, and Tom's mm-hmm. five eight. Yeah, yeah. That and work. and I like Tom Cruise as an actor, but I don't know how he's going to pull it off. Now, uh, the Mitch Rapp deal. Mitch Rapp looks a certain way because if you're going to go undercover in the Middle East, you can't have blonde hair and blue eyes. Right. So the first mention of Matt Damon, I'm like, that doesn't work. No. You know how can he walk around? You know, Riyadh. <laughs> well, you can try to do some of the makeup, but I also I've always felt. Um, that we're going to end up with an Australian or a Kiwi hmm. because they don't give a crap. Uh, a lot of American actors come with a political agenda. Okay. Yeah, they yes. do. That's and, and we're sick of it. Yes, and we are sick of it. <laughs> no, you know what? I know, I'm so I, I, sick I, of it. Who was it? Shut Just up. a couple of weeks oh, ago, God. somebody opened their mouth. <laughs> and Lisa and I were watching TV and another actor opened their mouth and shot it off. And we looked at each other and said, well, I guess we're not going to be watching any of their movies anymore. No, it's true. <laughs> it's, well, the guy, the guy, uh, uh, Game of Thrones, he, he gained some success in the second season. All of a sudden, he has to tell us what his political views are. I haven't watched. Oh, an you mean the since. director? Yeah, the director. Yeah, I did the George Bush's head on a what spit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he went after that. He then came out publicly say, "Oh, here's how I feel." I said, "Come on, I'd like to enjoy something. Could you just shut up?" Yeah, but you're right. If you watch independent film. Or European, uh, like British films, uh, you just don't get that. You no, don't the Brits don't do it. The Kiwis don't do it. The, the New Zealanders, uh, I mean, the, the Kiwis and the Aussies don't do it. But American actors, there's some goofy deal where they all feel like they've got to put their heart on their sleeve right. and tell everybody right. about every left-wing cause they care about. Um, you know, it's Samuel, it was Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. I, yeah and I yeah. was just, I, I love that guy. I mean, I, Pulp Fiction, yeah, he he's great. fantastic. No he, he does it, and Lisa and I were just crushed. Pulp Fiction is one of our favorite movies. I think right. Quentin Tarantino is an absolute yeah. genius. Right. Um, and uh, you know, he does that, and you're like, why Why did you have to do that, Samuel? I, I don't want to watch another movie of yours now because you shoot your mouth off like this. I know. Just because you can pretend you're somebody else doesn't mean that you know everything about the world. Hoping people are going to drown in the Gulf of Mexico. I well, that. So, here's the other yeah. thing. I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it if, let's say, one out of every ten actually was a libertarian or a conservative. But yeah. they're all left wing. That takes no courage. When you work in a town where everybody has the exact same opinion about these ten hot button left wing issues, it doesn't. There's no courage involved. Yeah, you don't involved. have to speak. You don't even have to speak. We know. Oh, it's really brave <laughs> to stand up in Hollywood and say, you know, I'm for gay marriage. Oh, you are so courageous. Are you serious? <laughs> Come on. Now, you didn't like my Timothy Oliphant idea, huh? I always thought he'd be a perfect no. It's still being discussed. It, it, He's first of wonderful. All, first of all, Justified crazy. is our favorite show on television. Phenomenal. It's Phenomenal. it is so good. Great. Uh, even my wife loves it. Yeah, it so, is good. It's a great show. But he uh, the problem now. So we went back and did American Assassin. Originally, it was going to be rapping his mid thirties, and now it's rapping his mid twenties. Oh, okay. so it takes a whole you know cast of uh, actors and just removes them from the table. Right. God, who are you going to get? Russell Crowe. He's too old. He's too old. Yeah. We need somebody in, his, in their mid twenties, and I do think it's going to end up perfect, being, though. you know, one of these Hemsworth brothers, probably from down under. 
Oh, you somebody like that. Yeah. And with Bruce Willis to open it, you can take somebody who isn't as well known, kind of mold them into the character. Yeah. People forget yeah. Matt Damon. His career was not exactly red hot when he filmed the first Bourne movie. And people true, yeah. did not think he was going to be able to pull off that role, and he did a phenomenal job. Oh, he did. There's no question that he did. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, the new stuff, what, what's the guy's name? Jeremy Renner. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that new uh, one. Not so good. You're still going to theaters? No. <laughs> I was going to say. Occasion. We, have net, we have Netflix and Voodoo. We get yeah, a, no. Same Every once in a while, I get him to the Udina. Well, you have <laughs> Apple TV, don't you? We have Apple TV, yeah. and we also have Amazon Prime and right. Netflix, and uh, I'm about right. to tear it all out of the house because my lovely... 11-year-old daughter, who's the only person I've ever oh. heard tell Tom Bernard off. She did. Uh, <laughs> she started yelling at me. <laughs> My daughter, she Ingrid. Only she was, what, about seven at the time? Uh, five, maybe. Yeah, maybe She's five. a very determined little thing, and she uh, she is absolutely addicted to this stuff. You know, she's got her oh, iPad, shit. so she gets on Netflix and yeah. just watches all. And you used to be able to send your kid to the room. You know, go to your bedroom. Not you think you had it handled? Yeah. Now you go in there and they got the iPad out and they're you know they're ta- they're live chatting with their buddies and you got to exactly. rip that thing out of there. And- I thought I was being clever when mom sent me to my room and I booted up the old Mac Classic too. <laughs> Four <laughs> colors, all gray. Play Chopper Rescue or whatever. Oh no, that this was before that. This was like you know Reader Rabbit and uh, Notepad. That's about it. Well, but at least that was educational. Well, yeah, there's that. I did actually learn a good deal about uh, computers, just, you know, screwing around with that thing, breaking it a few times. Just by and, doing that. And then eventually the mom was just Mac. like, you can have it. It doesn't you work anymore. <laughs> Buy online by going to the Amazon.com banner at TomBernardPodcast.com. They don't charge you a penny more. A small portion of what they sell go through our site. Helps a- <laughs> what are you doing? God, they're always screwing around over there. Bye. Sorry, Tony. This is editing. No, don't. How many Marconis have they won? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, how about that? Several, thank you very much. Buy online by going to the Amazon.com banner at TomBernardPodcast.com. They don't charge you a penny more. A small portion of what they sell through our site helps support the show, and it's what keeps the show free for our listeners. Click and shop today on the Amazon banner at TomBernardPodcast.com. And she's still over there doing this one right here. And when you're going to buy Vince's books, buy them through our site on the Amazon banner. Exactly. Oh, yes. good idea. Yes, and, and go to my website, VinceFlynn.com. Yes. No. We're going to give away a, an advanced reader's copy every Friday from now until the book pubs on November 13th. Very cool. You, you were not in the room when Vince uh, was talking about the fact he went to his publisher. And he, he told him he was going to be on the podcast. And his yeah. publisher knew all about it. He said, oh, that's great. one of the top rated uh, podcasts on, uh, on Apple. We're iTunes. Cool. Absolutely. We always knew it. Yeah. The, the one mistake that I I made right away though, Vince, with this was giving Tom the numbers, the analytics, the oh username God. and password. He's obsessed. No. Shouldn't have done that. No. no. Never. <laughs> Why? You figure Tom's out. Sounds like trend. day trading. You learned that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. How would Give your I? mind to somebody else. Check it monthly, quarterly, <laughs> but never daily. There is a there was a reason for doing this in first six weeks. Because I picked up on a trend that somebody was screwing up, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, a certain company was not reporting their data. A very were large. They, were they overflating Latino homes in the uh, <laughs> Twin City market? <laughs> <laughs> they just uh, Don't bring a, that it's, up. <laughs> it's a very famous company. It's a very famous company that does not like to share data with anyone. 
Maybe oh. you've heard of you it. Know, and maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> Her name does not have anything to do with oranges. Yeah, exactly. It's this a situation. Like, He's trying to figure hell? out. Okay, it's Mr. Espionage writer. <laughs> it's, I don't get it either. Oh, and citrus, you know lemon, apples. <clears throat> oh, apples. Oh. Got it. Um, oh. Just had to well, say it. No, the problem that we've had <laughs> yeah. is I've gotten you know, a few dozen people say, I can't download your podcast after the 20th one. Because this company, I, for some reason, and we'll be able to find out what that is. Won't we? Well, they don't like to share web stats in general, but we are, we're going to try to contact them. But they got to report our downloads. It's, that's yes. like, isn't that like sixty percent of our downloads comes well, out yes. of Apple Core? Yes, and Apple Core, which is all all Apple iTunes, all iTunes Media, their huge benefit for this is you get somebody to go to Apple or to iTunes, and then they download a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, you want right. you want the site visits exactly. So they're not reporting our our, our downloads. It's like, well, that's nice. Not accurately. So everybody call Apple and complain. No, I don't know. That'll make it even worse. Don't yeah, do that. But I, I let, call who? That's the other thing about yeah, Apple. That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. That's exactly who right. Who do you Chris. call? Where's the 1-800 helpline? Yeah, you know? well, there's usually some sort of sheet on Chris Cluey could write a letter. <laughs> he could write a letter. Listen to you, cock monster. <laughs> does Chris like to write letters? Yes. Chris oh, does like to write letters. It's all about the letter writing. He's mean editorial letters, or what do you mean? Well, the situation... He what was it as the city councilman again? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, Maryland state delegate. There, uh, there you go, Maryland state Somebody. delegate. One of those people. Uh, one of the Baltimore Ravens. And I don't know if he's gay or not, but he he came out uh, supporting gay marriage. So this Maryland state delegate blasted the Baltimore Ravens player for doing that. And when Chris saw that, to defend his fellow NFLer, he wrote a letter to this state delegate. It was just he's called. Hey, let me just uh, point out one thing to you: if gay marriage. Uh, is allowed. It doesn't. It's not going to turn you into a lustful cockmonger. We <laughs> <laughs> actually wrote about. It's like, oh my god. No, he's a very, uh, very bright guy. Like I said, he uh, he aced his SATs. Yeah, I think I'd heard that. Pretty amazing. Pretty bright guy and a hell of a nice Just man. The verbal. Just the verbal. Just the verbal. By the Just way. Just the verbal part. That's right. Because uh, he hadn't yeah. done math in three years, so he, he was too smart. Didn't get that part for of math. It. What? No big deal. He's too smart. Think of math. acing the verbal on the SAT and then, and then spending that much time in an NFL clubhouse. I know. I was thinking that same thing. It's like, how it, could you exist? I know. How did he get into football? Really That's something hard. I wanted to ask him. He's just a real good time. kicker. Well, no, I know. But how, well, was he one of these I mean, soccer players turned kickers? Yeah, I don't know. Like that. I don't well, it's like know. he Here says he grew up reading a lot out. and doing video don't games and stuff. And Andy's into reading and video games. He's been since he's young, and he, you couldn't get him to walk onto a football. Well, he'd field. be a good punter. You don't have to play football. Can't well, my legs do make up eighty percent of my height. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, kicked weird. a sixty-yard field goal in high school. Actually, yeah. all, all yeah. his background and bio that I read. I mean, he was a hell of a field goal kicker. See, California kid. Yep, he is. He played football varsity. So. I guess he's just good. pretty much been doing he it. He played football varsity. Varsity football. That'd be varsity football. Well, no. I mean, he played he played it in varsity. Yeah. He played for there UCLA, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> you guys. Yes, he did. <laughs> he, did. he played for UCLA, that's right. He, oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. In the Pac-10. Which is now the Pac-12. Which is now the Pac-12. That's an old It's now the Pac-12. Yeah, that's right. It's now the Pac-12. Vince, you went to St. Thomas Academy, didn't you? STA and UST. That's Woo! fantastic. Yep. Sister school. Hockey program Katie. and everything else has come Woo! on quite a bit over the last few yeah, years. Yeah, you know, my stepson is a junior at STA. Um, That's crazy. They suffered a tough it's loss a the other night. 
Have you uh, said he has a car? Geez. I was like, he's driving. <laughs> he's what? six foot one, two oh five. No, 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 he's no, not. He's no. an absolute monster. What? Unbelievable. And they had to do a fitness test for uh, in military class yesterday. He did twenty three pull ups. I can do that. He's a really strong kid. Um, It's a great school. And the and the the kids are doing well. The girls are a little too much estrogen at times in the house. Um, (laughs) Yep. Around here. Oh, I you know I can tell that. Oh, it points to me. Hey, we're on. We're we're doing a podcast, so I can tell this story. Um, A year ago, I'm going through radiation, and I couldn't make a trip to London. That uh, Lisa was going to go over there with her best friend Susie Fick, and uh, I said, "I still want you to go. I'm feeling a lot better. I was about five weeks through radiation at that point, and I was tired, but the pain had gone away. So I said, "Go." Uh, so we booked a ticket, and about a week before she leaves, I'm hearing all these rumblings from Ingrid between Lisa and Ingrid. So I said, "Lisa." Before you leave, you need to go to the store and get whatever it is that you girls need when this happens. Because I just know, I just know you are gonna you're gonna be in London and it's gonna happen. Well, sure enough, oh, she no. goes to London, doesn't go to the store, and Ingrid comes home from school and says, "Dad, conversation I was really hoping I could avoid ever having with the, both of my daughters." No, Dad, she tells me the whole deal. I. When I get to heaven, I want to see this video of me standing in the Walgreens <laughs> feminine product aisle for oh at least 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Do you know how many options there are, Tom? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. It's ridiculous. It is insane. It's actually ridiculous. I had to buy yeah. shampoo the other day, and there was literally like 20 feet of just shampoo. Yeah. Well, this was, you know, yeah. So uh, that was that was the highlight of my fall last year. No, I would admit. I remember, as a matter of fact, my, just come we back had with two everything. sisters. Just buy it all. Little, uh, little variety uh, menagerie. Yeah, variety pack. Pack, my yeah. two sisters, Bobby and Vicky, right? So. I don't know how this had happened, but this is, Vicky is, I think, 12 years old at the time. And somehow, something got, was broken in the bathroom, and there was a shard of glass in the tub that nobody picked up on, right? So Vicky goes in to take a bath, slides into the tub, and cuts her, like, Derriere? Butt cheek. Mm -hmm. Butt. So, (laughs) So she's yelling, Bobby, 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 come in here. So she stands up. There's blood running down her legs. And Bobby goes, there comes a time and everything. <laughs> oh, my God. There comes a time. Where every girl Just cuts her conversation ass. She How are we doing on time? We're good. We're good. Okay, I just want to make sure we don't you know, hold you up. Because Chris Cluey came in. He was We initially thought he'd do about a half hour. He's here about an hour and a half. So we don't want to keep everybody too long in any case. So... November 13th is, I thought it was your 15th book. Why did I think that? I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I know I it's the 14th. Stupid, I, lose, I lose track of it sometimes, too. Yeah. I, the funny thing is now people are coming up to me and they're saying, you remember in such and such a book? When, and I'm like, oh, did I write yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't remember. And I, I, part, I, I don't know how much of it is the medication I'm on, which affects my memory a little bit. Years, and how much of it's God my sake. age, you know, and how much well, it's, it's a lot of stuff. I'm also kind of a forward-looking person i don't i don't go back and read my books i had to go right. back and read um uh transfer of power a couple of years ago when i started the prequels because right. i needed yeah. to kind of know what was going on 
And then I read uh, Pursuit of Honor, just about the first 100 pages, because this book, The Last Man, is back to the here and now. Mm-hmm. So as I sat down and read those first 100 pages of Pursuit of Honor, it, it brought everything back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I remember all the stuff. I sat down and wrote it. But yeah, it's you know 14, working on the 15th. Um, I've always had 20 in my head for some reason. Oh, really? So I'll go to at least 20 and then beyond that, I don't know. I, I, you know at what point do you turn into a punchline? You know, what, at what point? Well, I'm just saying, you know, uh, like Dirk Pitt. People say, you know, Clive Custer got a little long in the tooth, and you keep right, publishing the Dirk right. Pitt novels, and all of a sudden there's 30 Dirk Pitt novels, and, and all of a sudden he's 70. Yeah. And he's out there, you know. So you got to kind of be somewhat careful of well, it. Well, but how about Elmore Leonard? Well, Elmore, he changes a lot of characters. He does. That's the, that's the key. What I love about Elmore is his, his heroes are always the least – nasty of all the bad guys his, yeah. his books are populated with a bunch of often scumbags like get sure yeah, a great yeah. example yes yeah <laughs> and, perfect example. and then his hero is the one guy who actually has a moral compass yeah and it's a great uh, it's fun to write about bad characters especially in in, in the end when they get it right <laughs> i just think I, know, that, I love that too yeah. it's like get him Unlike many, and maybe you could come up with several examples, but Elmore Leonard can write about inner city Detroit oh. and great westerns. Yeah, <laughs> he does both. Brilliant. I think he just—I think he's just a uniquely gifted person who um, can is very visual, and he can put himself in a place and a time and describe it. His dialogue is always spot on. It is, yeah. Which you know, dialogue is often the thing that most writers can't get. Uh, they they just miss it. Um, Grisham's good at it. You, you, you never read a Grisham novel and say to yourself, "Ooh, that didn't sound right." Yeah. A lot of other authors, you do that. You read, and you're like, "Oh, that's a flat line." You know, the editor should have caught it, or somebody should. And this, this is this is another writer reading, especially when I'm in yeah, edit, that's true. when I'm in editing mode. I have basically stopped reading when I, that that last month because I just can't pick anything up without wanting to get a pen out and fix it or change it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do to Vince what I always do to Vince. <laughs> I'm going to get them all fired up. How could the United States government hand the the citizens this line of bullshit that it was a movie that drove people to kill our ambassador to Libya when they knew all along it was it was al-Qaeda who did it? And they had everybody fired up about some stupid-ass movie they knew all along that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. So I can see the look in your eye that you might have an opinion about. <laughs> I, I'm trying to... Trying to kind of bite my tongue. I, you know, I'll take a slightly different tact. I think the media has become an absolute disgrace. No question. And if we ever, if we ever turn back from this abyss in twenty or thirty years, they will be teaching this in journalism class that the media just absolutely let this country down. They so have blindly, they they so badly want you know political correctness to be right. And they want to see the culmination of everything they've been taught for 30 years, that this guy is the answer. And the truth is, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are. It, it, none of that stuff matters. Talent is, is – it, it goes across all sections. Right. And some black people are very talented and some people aren't. Right. Uh, some white people it, – it, skin color doesn't matter. No, I, but they no. somehow have it in their head that this guy uh, should get a pass. Because he's an African American. That's my personal opinion. I, mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. 
Um, and, and the problem I have is if George Bush had done anything like what they just did in Benghazi, right. the media would be all over him. And here's the other thing. We would hear – the media would amplify the, the, the Harry Reeds and the Nancy Pelosi's and everybody on the Hill that would be demanding an immediate investigation – Right. Of how, how George Bush and his administration let this happen. What I find telling is I think probably the smartest person in the whole administration is Secretary of State Clinton. Yeah, well, I think typically. Probably, you know, I've got a new true. respect for her, and I don't know why. So ask yourself, <laughs> this one, ask yourself this one question. In all the years we've been following politics, when have you ever seen – the ambassador to the United Nations go on all of the Sunday morning shows to answer questions. It never happens. Right. No. It's right. the Secretary of State or the National Security Advisor or the President's Chief of Staff, possibly the Vice President, and someone like that. So why did she end up on those? She ended up on those shows because Hillary said, "I'm not going on there because I know this is a bunch of crap. It's all bullshit. It's a lie. So we're going to send somebody else to go make that lie because I'm not. I'm running for president in four years." And I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot. Have you, she has removed herself so yeah. smartly from all of this. She's put herself at arm's length from the whole thing. I think she has, too. I just find it so disturbing that, that apparently they think that we're so stupid. Have you seen the film, The Innocence of... No. Oh, my God. It literally, the dialogue is overdubbed. So Because yeah. these actors who were in it didn't know yeah. they were in a movie that was supposed to be anti-Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't know, so they'd be like... You know, and I've used this line a few times now, but it, it's this bad. I was walking down the street with two girls. I mean, the overdubbing is <laughs> that horrible. bad, right? It's like the old Japanese movies uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. that we watch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know Brian Callen and all. Brian's an actor. You'd know him if you saw. Did you see okay. the, the Hangover? Yeah. Okay, he played the Indian pastor in oh, a, yep, at the yep. chapel. Yep. That's Brian Callen. We're talking. We're talking about this. You know, very thing uh, with him. And he had the very same opinion. It's like, how could anybody be so stupid as to think? Because he he grew, he, he, well, I don't know if he grew up there, but he lived part of his youth in the Middle East. Yep. All over the Middle East. And he said, that's not how Muslims are. He said, Muslims want to laugh and they want to go home to their family. They're not all these ultra-religious psychos that we see every day. So for the average Muslim in Libya or Egypt, or go down the list, uh, to react to a stupid-ass film, they would know by watching the film, the overdubbing was so horseshit, they'd go, this is ridiculous. You know, this would never have happened. Just by coincidence, on September 11th. Yeah, I mean, no. Jesus. Well, there's a couple of things. I, I I always look at the uh, you know friends of mine who voted for President Obama who thought literally that all we had to do is elect this guy and all of our problems with the Muslim world would, would vanish overnight. Yeah, they wanted and, to believe that. Yeah. And and I, I was always like, really? You might want to do a little <laughs> reading. You might want to study Wahhabism. You might want to study right. uh, some of these other violent sects within Islam because – they're not going anywhere. If, if nothing else, no. they're going to pick upstream. Where I would disagree with your actor friend is um, we spend too much time in this country trying to constantly come to the defense of Islam. That's true. And say, oh, you know what? It's just it's a it's less than one percent. And the truth is, no, it isn't. 
If you read the polls, if you if you read the polls within the Muslim uh, communities around the world, they you will find you know seventy plus percent think homosexuality is an abomination. Forty plus percent think that a homosexual should be stoned. They can execute them absolutely. Adultery. Your wife (laughs) deserves to be beaten and stoned. It is not a it is not a religion of modernity. Now that's not to say that there aren't people within Islam that are modern and are peaceful. But there is a problem when you sit there and you look at the last ten years. And you look at all of the violence that has been perpetrated by Muslims, mostly against other Muslims, by the way, mm-hmm. because they're in this fight that they think that their strict, virulent strain of Islam is the only way. And the more we stand up and give Islam this blanket uh, apology or this uh, – not an apology, but we stand up and we give it this blanket, oh, you know, not all Muslims are this way. We are doing a huge disservice to moderate Muslims. We need to defend them and condemn the violence. Right. Absolutely. And there's a real problem uh, when you can get thousands of people in uh, in Cairo to show up and start, you know, firebombing the U.S. Embassy. And, you know, our consulate in Benghazi is burned to the ground. Um, I'm sorry. Well, that's easy to do, though, because they've got a, a huge population of uneducated, unemployed, unemployed people that, that are st- I've always said waiting the, the for a key fire. to the future of ever helping the Middle East out of this and um, helping Islam become more modern is women. The biggest problem they have over there is women have no say in what goes right, on. Right, exactly. And I, I liken it to this, Catherine. But once again, they're executed if they say anything. Well, they or are in certain quarters, or... but it's, it's getting better. But my point is this. Tom and I would be complete idiot moron losers if it wasn't for you and Lisa. If you guys didn't civilize us and tell us, hey, idiot, well, no, you cannot go to your friend's house and smoke cigars and drink four bottles of wine again tonight right. and then get up and play golf tomorrow. There, there's other him. shit you've got to do. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Our, our wives, we help. I like, I'd like to think that men and women help each other become better people. It's not a, it, that's not a crazy ultimately, thing. No, ultimately, that's what you, that's what we're yeah. here to you know. But in Islam, if the one if the one sex is silenced, think of the stupid They're stuff that guys silenced. do. Oh, God, It'd be yes. like the U.S. before 1920. <laughs> yeah, there you yeah. go. I'm serious. I mean, you well, look at it. A, say, my, one of my great challenges is that I don't know how the hell we deal with it. I mean. We I, we have no chance of going over and changing the way they, th- they think or feel, and almost all of these, as you even write about, it's all Sniperville. Yep. It's not real war. It's not real combat. It's it's all sniper situations. I've had friends that have fought over there. And, yep, and it's it's absolutely ridiculous for us to think that we can go over them and truly help them. Our only our only hope is um, the internet and satellites. It's the only way. Because right now you've oh, so got what do you mean? Because the spread of information and and the and the intermersion yeah. of cultures. Because right now what you've got these people that stormed the embassy in Cairo and killed our ambassador in Benghazi, these are young violent men who have no female role models yeah. in their life who show up on Fridays at the mosque who get some crazy imam stands up and spews all this hatred and they run off and they go do this stuff. Well, the, the, the best way to combat that is to the spread of information, to get them to understand freedom a little better, to get them to understand that it is not okay to think that you need to exterminate all the Jews. 
or all the Coptic Christians. That's the other thing. No, you know, we don't talk about any of that in this country. They've been killing Coptic Christians left and right oh, yeah. in Egypt, yeah. all because they're Christians. Right. That's all. Um, and I and I think that that's that's our only hope because I agree. Being over there, and I write about it in the next book. Yeah, it's a no-win situation. Afghanistan is the most backward country on the planet. Right. Well, back to your the spread of information. Isn't it illegal to have unedited Listen, Western thoughts it's illegal, over there? It's illegal to have satellite TV in Saudi Arabia. You're supposed to get a permit for it. But guess what? Everybody has a satellite <laughs> yeah. dish on their roof. Saudi Arabia is a what, little bit. Guess different what? They're than... streaming. Porn. They're streaming porn. Oh, absolutely. Already. By the ton. Oh, gosh, yeah. God. They're ridiculous over yeah. there. I mean, I have some friends that live in Dubai, mm-hmm. and just just listening to what's going on over there. I mean, Dubai obviously is much more progressive than the rest of the Middle East. I, I do think there, there has got to be incredible. some way. Somebody, uh, and I don't know if it's the Saudi royal family, and people, most Americans don't understand this because there's a huge schism between the Sunnis and the Shia. Huge. And they hate each other, and they were killing each other by the hundreds of thousands for for decades before we went over there and got involved in 91. And they're still going to continue to do it. But they somehow have to have a religious summit and and, and at least sign something that says we're going to stop killing each other. Yes. Uh, somebody has to lead that, and I don't know who's going to – you know, it, w- it would have been nice for President Obama to, to do that as opposed to go on the apology tour and uh, make it sound like America is the problem. Right, because it's already – we're already the scapegoat of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. How did they try to sell us this bill of goods to uh, a few months ago that the Muslim Brotherhood was a progressive – Oh, my gosh. I mean, remember oh, they tried to sell us that bullshit? Mm-hmm. that is. Oh, come on. I mean – I can't remember the guest. You lined up the guest, and I can't remember who it was. We talked about that very thing, about the Muslim Wuko? Brotherhood. Was it was Frank, Frank Wuko? Wuko I, think. I think it was Frank yeah. Wuko. The well, Muslim right. Brotherhood was what spawned al-Zawahiri, and it was what, you know, uh, uh, Osama bin Laden eventually came under their spell. Um, they've, been, they've been preaching the overthrow and the hatred and assassination of Jews and Christians. And uh, and a lot of Muslims who disagree with them, they you know they they were behind the assassination of Anwar Sadat. Right, right. They're they're. <laughs> I just... do you think it's the moderate Muslims' job really? Like it's their place maybe to do something about the extremists. I do. They, they because... have to they have to start policing their own country. You know, and uh, I think that the you know, anytime you have a society, and imagine this in America, where. Um, you, you find out one day that a 14-year-old a, a boy goes to a mall and blows himself up and kills a bunch of people that they, did, that they disagreed with. And the mom gets on television and holds up a photo of him and says he's a hero. Right. right. That's, that is how warped that culture is. That, that somehow – I mean in America if that happens, the mom is going to go the, to the parish – or the synagogue, or the or the church, and find the priest that talked this kid into doing it. Right, and, and that guy is right. he's done. He's thrown in jail. He's maybe taken out back and beaten to death. Who knows? But he's not celebrated. And over there, those guys are celebrated. Those those clerics that stand up and talk those kids into saying, basically, you know what. Your your life on earth is so worthless. You're the only way to, for to salvation for you is to put this vest on and go kill all those Jews. Or, in Iraq right now, or in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. go kill your fellow Muslims because they're a, Shi- they're a Sunni and you're a Shia and you disagree with each other, so go blow them up. 
Well, look at look at Germany. You know, back when Hitler came to power, they were destitute. Same right. situation. You're dealing with a bunch of people that are starving. They feel like they've got no other choice. I think people naturally always go towards the good if they can. Yeah. But if they can't, they go towards whatever the hell is there that will show any kind of leadership. Uh, so it's them. interesting that what you just said there. Yeah. Um, I have a slightly different twist on it. Yeah. What people will typically do, or they'll do it if they're pushed in this direction, is rather than take any ownership themselves for the problems that are surrounding them, Mm -hmm. if somebody stands up and forcefully says, it's not your fault, it's the Jews, the people will go, you know, right, it is. I don't feel like being blamed for this. So (laughs) that guy looks very convenient. And and, and in uh, Muslim Muslim nations across the Middle East, you hear it all the time. Uh, Ahmadinejad is a classic. Sandwich. It's not your fault. It's the Americans. It's the Satan. It's the West. It's they're, they're the ones that are keeping you down. We're not in the country. We're not keeping them down. They're right. keeping them down. Right. No, there's no question about that. But they still. Well, everything comes down to power. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. Well, you've done, I talked to several people about you know, organizations you talk about, you know, the Nazis and yeah. you, go down, you go online. When these clerics set out to do the job in the first place. They, the, the very first step they take is they le- locate as many mentally ill people as they oh, can find. Yes. yes. That's what they do. They find the, the mentally ill because they will do whatever mm-hmm. you tell them to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sad story. I mean, some people, they, they don't have the capability to reason. And so they'll go, oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, because they're hearing and seeing God anyway. Are you talking anyway. about the Wall Street movement? <laughs> <laughs> By chance. Well, there is. <laughs> How about that for media bias? How about that for yeah. media bias? Yeah, I know. I don't let's, think being a college student is legally considered mentally ill yet. <laughs> no, don't tell a lot of parents that. <laughs> Paying that much to uh, get a four-year degree that gives you very little right now? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I got my degree in biochemistry. Time to go, uh, you know... Work at McDonald's for yeah, the next twenty years. Thing. I don't. I don't have an affiliation with uh, either group, Tea Party or Wall Street, the Wall Street movement. But just think about it from a macro sense. Take a step back. So the Tea Party stands up and says, "You know what? We're fifteen trillion dollars in debt. Government has doubled in size in the last fifty years. Spending's out of control. Dang it! We need to get this thing going in the right direction." And they're labeled what? Radical. Radical, absolutely. Radical. And any economist will tell you other than Paul Krugman, who I, I think is an abject moron who probably can, I, can I get sued idiot. for slander on the show? Well, we're talking about insurance. <laughs> can I say personal? I I, I, my, in my personal opinion. There you that go. That's, that's <laughs> all you gotta do. My personal opinion is a good chance that guy's a half a you know what. But uh, they never address the issue these Keynesians of the, the debt that you're giving to the next generation. It's it's generational theft. They're right. stealing that money. Right. So the Tea Party is labeled radical for, for coming up and saying something that we all kind of know. They're spending too much money. They're labeled radical. They get together. They have rallies. Uh, there's never any garbage left anywhere. They always pick it up and they leave peacefully. Wall Street comes along. They're defecating on squad cars. Right. They're slandering they're doing drugs Jews. everywhere. They're, they're, they're raping yeah, women raping. in the park. They're right. doing drugs. You name it. And and the media bends over backwards to make it seem like this is perfectly normal and, and they're not the radical oh, yeah. ones. Right. It's crazy. I, I, I don't understand. When do we turn from America to whatever we are now? I remember back when I was a kid, it was a good thing if you worked hard and succeeded. It was a wonderful thing. Oh, look at this. Look at the success this person has had. You know what it was, Tom. There's a moment. You and you 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 raised these two kids right in the middle of it. Yeah. When they st- when those when I I'm sorry. When those lefties started taking over the school boards, 
Oh, well, and the athletic no associations yeah. and the kids stopped keeping score at, yeah. at, in soccer and bet. That was the begin. That, that should totally have been the first no, sign please. when they took dodgeball out of gym class. And yeah. I'm sorry, you know, but the, there was all dodgeball these, was brutal, no man. <laughs> Stand in the back corner and I keep your hands ball. in front of your yeah, face. <laughs> no, I, I, well, as you know, I talk about you know, Arbitron now because this is not a radio broadcast. Yeah, it has nothing to do with them. What they are now is everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. Everybody gets to be in first place now. Well, here's your turn. Now it's your turn. Know, you know what, though? When you've got little kids and they're all sitting there, you know, trying to play soccer and they're all huddled in the little and they can't even get the ball out of the little huddle because they don't know what yeah. they're doing. What's you kind point? of feel like, what's the, po- what, what's the point of scoring? We're learning You're soccer here. You're talking like four-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. You're talking yeah. T-ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here's another story. story. I mean, you can still keep score. And I, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. And my kids all left those fields when they weren't supposedly keeping score. And they all got in the car and said, we won or we lost. And it was four to three. Right. They remember. I, I know. But, so you know, but part of you, when they're these, little, you kind of want to let them have a little bit of a free childhood See, for I a did, little while. I, I disagree. Just start punching I, them I, as soon as they no, come out. No, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about no, fair competition. It's about fair Stupid competition. And they, and they still need to know that there's a winner or a loser. And there is value in them losing and telling them, if you don't like it, you have two choices. Stop playing soccer or work harder. And yes. come back and try harder next week and work on your game. But, I think this, but the, couldn't there be like a little age? Like... Six, seven. Then you start learning yeah, four the hard lessons. Like you're, training them, you're training them the wrong be- behavior at the at, at a very young age. I, just to tell the story very I'm quickly, I've coached my kids for years in sports, and and Aiden, my son, played flag football last year. So they got to play a game in the Metrodome. Mm-hmm. So we're playing this game. It's a seventy yard field. Blah blah blah. We get down to the last twenty seconds. We're allowed to call two timeouts. I called my first timeout about you know halfway through the game. Second. Second timeout, I call with 20 seconds left to go in the game. We're down five points. I call a timeout. The other coach went absolutely ballistic, and the other parents started screaming at me. I mean, it was embarrassing. I looked at my other parents, and I said, am I wrong here? To There's, We were allowed two timeouts. What's the problem? Oh, they were livid. They're like, this is a game in the Metrodome. It's supposed to be fun, and you're calling a timeout? I said... Well, it's all year long. We've gotten two yeah, timeouts. Yeah. But I'm not, that's what he's talking about, is that if you start... Kids need to realize that we live in a competitive landscape. One of the greatest challenges with this country, I agree with you on this, Vince, is a lack of a competitive nature. We have an entire generation of kids, because I've tried to hire them, because I'm 41. I've tried to hire this next generation of kids that are not competitive at all, or they feel bad if they're competitive sometimes. Well, I'll give you an example. I started writing term limits. Five years. 60-plus rejection letters. Eventually, I had to self-publish it. Right. Yeah. I, I used to take those rejection letters and pin them up on the bulletin board of where I wrote every day, and I'd look up at them and I'd say, I'm going to prove you guys wrong. Now, that mentality of not quitting came from my parents and, right. and my coaches and teachers at St. Thomas Academy. I don't think kids are getting enough of that. I, I think there's probably any year in this country 100 novels that are better than anything I will ever write. And the difference is that person quits. They get ten rejection letters and they bail and they say I'm no good at this and they just they didn't have four brothers and two sisters and a big Catholic family where you're beating the snot out of each other <laughs> and people are telling you to suck it up and you know what life isn't fair that's the bottom line life isn't fair you have to work for it and you're not always going to get what you want I agree I agree with what you're saying I really do but but on the other side 
the flip side is you see these little kids playing soccer and the parents are screeching and yelling and they're getting in fights in the stands. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, and I, I wonder if part of that different. isn't a reaction to this whole not keeping score and everybody gets a trophy that parents, certain parents feel like they're losing their grasp on raising their own children. So they're trying to work extra hard to instill this old school attitude of you got to work, you got to run, you got to hustle. I do agree, though. That's a problem. And I learned, I remember when Dane was playing been, traveling basketball in Edina, I started bringing a book to every game. Because I, I, we were at a game up in, uh, in Woodbury, and a parent got thrown on the gym right in front of me for actually being correct. And the ref was a complete idiot, and he tossed him out of the gym. And I said, I, I would have punched the ref, and I would have been on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, you would have been. And, and, and I would have been sued for millions. So every time one of Dane's games would start going south, I'd either start reading or I'd get up and leave the gym. Yeah. Because I couldn't take it. Right. And you can't. You're right. You can't. It's, there's too many lessons to be learned along the way. And you cannot change the course of that game sitting in the stands screaming at your son or the referee. Right. You just can't. No, but they, they, they try. Some of them do try. And I think what's <laughs> funny is the more violent the sport, the worse it is. You see it with Pop Warner football, and typically it's out in California or Arizona or yeah. Florida or Texas, and there's a bench-carrying brawl with parents at the end of the right, game. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, you know, throughout my life in high school, my when I quit high school, my guidance scholar said, just go get a job at a factory because you're never going to amount to anything. And I'll never, I never forgot that. When I first got into radio, they said, no, you're, you're not going to make it in radio. You can do overnights or something like that. When I first started doing voiceover, they said, you're never going to make it. You sound way too urban. <laughs> That's what they told me. That's you sound true. way that too urban. That was when you, were, you, had, you had cornered the ad market on Jerry Curl in the 70s. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but they said, because of, because of the, the, you know, the, the tone of my voice, the pitch of my voice, I sounded too black. Yeah. So you'll never make it in voiceover. You'll never make it. My own general manager... At KQRS, where I've been for 27 years now, uh, the, after about 45, 50 days, he went to the program director and said, get rid of them. It's not working. you got to just get rid of them because it's not working. Most successful local radio show in the last you know, 50 years. In the United States, plus, in the last, yeah. about, in the last, about a quarter of a century. Yeah. But every one of those times... Yeah, well, and, and the program director said, well, why don't we wait till the first ratings come out and we'll see you know, what <laughs> yeah, happened. Why don't we yeah. wait till the first book comes out and we'll go from there. Luckily, we went from a five share to a nine share, almost doubled the ratings in 90 days. Otherwise, this show would have ended. It would have ended after one and a half months. Yeah. And if you didn't have that internal no desire to it. prove people wrong, Absolutely. you would have folded. There's no question about that. It, 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 and I still hear it. You know what's really funny? I'm, you know, coming to the end of my radio career now, the next, you know, four, five years, something like that. And I still hear, well, you really suck. It's like, what? Well, <laughs> what can you what can you ever achieve? Well, you can't please everybody. That's yeah, for No, sure. you can't. I mean, you, <clears throat> no matter I, what you do. It's a huge marketplace. And you look right. at all the different formats that are on the morning drive time dial. And I always look at it, you know, if somebody comes up to me and they, they it doesn't happen very often because p- people typically want to. They don't want to hurt your feelings. I laugh. You know, I'm from a big family, so I'm like, you know, I have siblings right. that don't like my books, that don't read my books. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Um, you know, people say to me, you know, I, I really, I, I don't like uh, thrillers, and I'm like, you don't need to explain that to me. You know, right. it's uh, go read Stephen King. It, it, it's a big marketplace. I'm never offended by somebody who wants to read Nora Roberts. I'm like, right. good for you. Right. Good for you. I don't expect everybody to read my books. Yeah. Right. And there's an example of that with a local businessman. 
and I'll never forget this as long as I live. He insisted uh, upon meeting me. He wanted to meet me, and I always say no. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if I don't know someone. If I don't meet someone naturally, it's really uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. So finally, some friends talked me into go out on on this boat, this guy's boat on the lake. Uh, so we went out, and I leaned over uh, to one of the people. And I said, "I guarantee you, he forgot something back at his house." He goes, "Why? Because he wants to show me his house. Yeah. That's why he wants to show me his house on Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. So he'll have forgot something." We are literally backing out <clears throat> from the dock. And he goes, oh, you know what? I left the wine at my house. So we have to go to my house and pick up the wine. This house, it looked like a hotel, I bet. Yes, yeah. the house looked like a hotel. So his girlfriend comes over and she goes, so I understand you're in radio. I said, yeah. And she says, so what do you do? I said, I do a, a morning talk show. Yeah, radio. Oh, where, do you, where do you do that? <laughs> Uh, it's a KQRS. She goes, oh, I've never heard you. I said, yeah, I understand. I understand. No need to tell me. <laughs> no need to tell me. You've never heard me. That's what. Then she goes, I listen to blah, blah. And I said, uh, that's good for you. I'll yeah. Be, if you like that, that's Seems wonderful. Seems about your speed. And she, <laughs> Seems about your speed. And then she said again. Um, <laughs> this is a true story. We have friends that can tell you that yeah. this actually happened. But she said again, yeah, so I've never heard you. I said, yeah, I know I heard you. I heard you the first time. Yeah. Listen to so and so. That's that's good for you. Well, I just like that radio station because I, I don't know. You know, I guess if I had heard you, I, I said, "Shut the fuck up." And she goes, "What?" I said, "Shut your fucking mouth." I've heard you five times now. Yeah. Tell me you've never listened yeah. to me. You're not going to listen to me. I'm happy for who you listen to. So as I'm explaining this to her, the host then comes back. He goes, "What's the problem here?" And I said, "If your girlfriend says one more word to me, I'm going to throw her in a fucking lake." <laughs> That's the difference, okay? I I still have well, that thing in me. You sound psychotic. <laughs> but well, there it's been said. But it, it's, it's, I swear it, women, and throw them in. I've <laughs> never I've never grown that extra layer of skin that you have. That that I, I can just stop? let it go. I, 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 no, I know that's, that's in our genes, uh, Tom. That's in the genes. You keep pushing it. <laughs> hey, I. Uh, I was, you know, getting in public fist fights up until a couple of years ago. On the <laughs> oh, that one time at the, uh, yeah. the hotel. Yeah. I have a, that wasn't your fault, though. Well, it's never my fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, uh, I, yeah, you know, I got a bad Irish temper. But um, I, with the writing, I've never allowed myself, and we've talked about this, Tom, you know, Tom Tracy, who I went to high school with, is still my best friend. Right. And there's a bunch of guys that I hang out with um, that I've known forever before I hit it. Right. And um, and my wife keeps me unbelievably grounded. Yeah, I, one of the many thing. things I love about her is she is and she gets kind of mad at me for saying this, but she is completely unimpressed by what I do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, well. And I prefer no way. it that way. Could you imagine being married to a fan? To a dish rag? It would be oh, the God. worst. It would be horrible. So, you know, I, I have that grounded family. You know, I, <laughs> I, have, uh, I, I have four brothers, and the way we speak to each other is, hey, fuck nuts, or, you know, <laughs> moron, or right. half a retard. And that's how we express our love to each other. And trust right. me, if, if I ever started to act like I actually believed my headlines... It they would slap me down so hard. Oh yeah, you would too. You know, it's just it, it's yeah, it's it's, like it's no way to go through life. So no. what you kind of have to do is you realize, you know, we're at your house right now, and I've been over here plenty of times with my wife and the nannies mm-hmm. and the Terry's, and, and and we have that close group of friends. Mm-hmm. That's real. 
Right. When you go to Vegas, that's not real. Not real. When I go on tour, it's not real. Those people don't, they think they know me. And what's really weird, it's worse for you. For me, People think they know me because they read my book, which is very it's it's different than what you do on the air because it's you talking. And he's there yeah. every day. And so I kinda liken it to this. People are avid fans of your show, they listen to you every day. They think that they have this extremely deep relationship with you. So when they finally meet you, they come up and they already know you to a certain extent. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And it's basically like they're driving sixty and you're in park. And all of a sudden, they're like, Tom! And they start talking. And you're like, I don't know you. I don't want to know you. I already have enough friends. It was really weird when the kids were little, you know, and they go through all that stranger danger and don't ever talk to this person. And even if they say that the dog is lost and they have the dog, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then all these strangers would come up and start talking to Tom. And they're like... Or drive up to our house, remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and they'd be like, why is Dad talking to that stranger? And it's like, "Um, they're still. Like well, it, it was really hard on you guys. You guys got really frightened, and they didn't like it. Um, and and people felt like they could just come up anytime. Well, even even anytime. In, in when I was in like kindergarten, people would come up to me and be like, "My dad says he likes your dad. He wants to come to your house." Yeah. Like, so I was like, "What?" But you know, there's the, there's the opposite <laughs> of that. Creepy. Yeah. We have a guy. The, the, one of our listeners, because I mean, they're. I have made friends from the show. I yeah. mean, we're not, you know, like hanging out together and all that. But we went to see Nick DiPaolo at the uh, the Pantages Theater. Nick is one of my favorite stand-up guys in the world. Yep. And uh, I saw a listener who was sitting in the first row. It was hard to miss him because he was wearing a KQRS baseball cap. Yeah. Right? So I went up to him and said, you know, hi, how you doing? Because he always comes to Vegas. I see him in Vegas okay. every day. His name is Chris Ketchmark. He's a doctor. Yep. Uh, but I saw Chris sitting in the front row, so I went up and you know said hello to him, this, that, and the other thing, right? So then, when the show was over, a bunch of people came over that you know I ninety percent of them I didn't know, yeah. But you know, said hello to everybody, and you know this, that, and the other thing, and and oh, I listened to the podcast, so I introduced everyone else uh, there, and uh, Chris kind of hung back and at the very end came up and said thanks for coming up and saying hello and goodbye so the next day I look on on Facebook and Chris had written on Facebook um, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions but I, I got too nervous and that hit me a different way Aww. Yeah, it was like he's the nicest guy in the world Chris is a great guy first of all <laughs> But but it's like Chris, you know me well enough to ask me any question you want to ask. So, so there's the other side of that. Just coin said, too. just said, so I told my wife this last weekend. <laughs> I, I I can't believe I'm going to say this because I'm probably going to get in some kind of heat. <laughs> we were at a charity event in town uh, uh, that was very sad. Um, it's called Humor for the Tumor, and and it was Mike Nanny, who's a dear friend of both our families, had passed away the mm-hmm. night before, and. Um, all I wanted to do was get to Francine and Lou and, you know, give them a hug and tell them how bad I felt for the family and, and Tino and, and Mark and Marty and uh, Michelle and, and every, you know, and Sheila, uh, Mike's, oh God, Mike's yeah. widow. And uh, every five steps I was getting grabbed. Yeah. And people yeah. wanted to just talk and, you know, could you please sign this? Would you come speak at this charity event? And uh, I was actually talking to Francine, you know, who just lost her son. <clears throat> And some guy starts tugging on my sleeve. Yeah. And I turn around, the guy's like, you know, can, can I? And I said, give me about 
you know, a couple of minutes. I mean, I, I thought I, I probably looked like I was going to strangle him. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I said to Lisa later, I said, you know what I've realized? It's the weird people that want yeah. to come up and just bar whatever you're doing. They don't care. No, they and they care. barge right in on whatever conversation. I, I We've talked about this. Nothing pisses me off more than somebody who comes up and interrupts Lisa and I. Oh, yeah. And looks me in the eye and starts blabbing and doesn't bother to say to my wife, excuse me, or yeah, something. She's not even there. Oh, I've actually no. had people push me aside. It's, just you know, push me. And I'm like, so why I isn't started to not you? feel bad about it. <laughs> Here's, I started to realize these people, it's not about me. It's about them. It's all about them. And yeah. so I've just said, you know what? I, I'm just uh, going to sit in my house and drink wine. <laughs> well, you know, it's a situation where, where you and I and, you know, the people we know we're very grateful for the fans and for the readers yeah because they gave us everything we have they, they gave our families everything we have it's that one group of people like you said where it's all about them that yeah. drives you fucking crazy. and i i would I, I agree with what you said that i've met a lot of great fans over Absolutely. the years that are really nice interesting genuine people uh to the point where you know in certain cities i'll have dinner with them right when i'm when i'm traveling right, right, and they're right. they're great people and, and locally i've met a lot of great people that way but uh some people just don't get the boundaries. No, they don't. You it's know? true. We've kept you for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> this is unbelievable. That's well, fine. you'll come back on. Absolutely. Yay. Okay, the name of the new book. <laughs> the Last Man. November 13th. And if you go to my website, VinceFlynn.com, okay. we're going to give away one advanced reader's copy every Friday from now until the book pubs November 13th. If we... Send and we'll link to your uh, to your deal. Too. We'll link to yours too. Okay, just so you know, Vince. So we'll, link, we'll, we'll link. We'll link to his website from our website. <laughs> and just so you know, I, I understand none of this. No, I understand. But if, <laughs> if you, you could let to. the people know that we're we're going to send a tweet to your Twitter page. Okay. So if they could just retweet it, they don't even have to write anything. They'll just retweet it to let your fans know that you're on. Got it. So that'll work. That'll work very very well. So I don't know who does that or whatever. David Brown, who is, uh, he's great. Oh, good. So he, he does, he handles it all. Stuff. Yep. David, thank you, by the way, for noticing this. <laughs> a portion of the profits of the Tom Bernard Podcast goes directly to the Smile Network. The Smile Network is a nonprofit organization that provides life-altering, reconstructive surgeries and related health care services to impoverished children and young adults in developing countries. The Smile Network, together, we are constructing lives one bright, smiling face at a time. The Tom Bernard Podcast giving away $5,000 on October 11th to one of our lucky listeners. And we'll give a matching donation to the Smile Network. All you have to do to enter is go to our website, TomBernardPodcast.com. Click on the banner or the Enter Now button. The contest promotes sharing the podcast through Facebook, Twitter, email, and more. We'll contact the winner of $5,000 on October 11th, and you'll be interviewed on the show. The 30-day giveaway of the $5,000 at TomBernardPodcast.com. Ha-ha, you waved your arms and it didn't work. Ah, rats. <laughs> yeah, you tried to get me to screw We're, we're making you mentally stronger. Exactly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you to Vince Flynn. Thank, thank you to Chris. Thank you, Vince. He was on the... On the thank uh, you for having Yay. me. And Chris Cluey. 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 I will see him on Sunday. You'll see him on Sunday at the game. From afar. Maybe he'll kick you a From ball afar. or something. You know, let me ask <laughs> you a question. To the face. Let me ask you a question. Something that Dan told Oh, you, you have to meet Alex. Oh, boyfriend. no. Dan told you oh. what? He told me. <laughs> He's like, oh, no. Boyfriend. She sits up in her chair. <laughs> what did he say? He told me you want to try out 
to be a Viking cheerleader. What? It's Tramp. a joke. <laughs> Tom, I'm glad you spent all those thousands of dollars yeah. on dancing lessons. Yeah. Going to you good news. No, know. it's just I want to go try out. I don't want to be one. What? I just want to go through the tryout process <laughs> with all of I've them. Given well, that it's, it's, such a, it's such a weird little. You have to know about like dancing. It's not a little bit like an act, uh, like an alcoholic saying, "I want to go to that meth house," and I'm not actually going to try the meth. I just want to see what it looks like inside. The thing is, is they're, they're so bad. Like the Vikings cheerleaders are Don't bad. They're bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> They don't do wow. anything very well. I'm sorry. Right. They shake not, their pom Yeah, but their <laughs> audition process is so hard. It's is it really, really, really weird. You have to be a really good dancer to be a Viking cheerleader or whatever. Dancer, cheerleader. But it, like, to actually, what they actually do is not difficult, and they don't do it well. They tell them to do things kind of poorly. So you're going to go change but the it's whole so str- No, I don't want to change it. I don't want to be a Vikings cheerleader. I want to, Emily... My friend Emily that I've danced with for years. Is this going in the show? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. She wants to have a lot. That is cool. <laughs> Big brother. Like, that is Jesus. really cool. Shouldn't we cut this out? <laughs> well, we had to be careful, too, because we have friends who, who, who have daughters or had daughters on dance lines. Yes, and, and Well, the Timberwolves ones are good. We know Bianca Lettieri. Great recovery. Great recovery. Well played. Fantastic. It's a a thing in the dance. That's not what you were saying before we started this. (laughs) That's exactly right. No, it's a thing in the dance world that, like, football cheerleaders are kind of a joke. Okay. Okay. I just want to have a lark. I didn't know that. I, I guess I wasn't giggle. aware of that. I wasn't I was aware of that either. Now you know in the dance they world. They wear skimpy little things, and there's like a bikini Maybe instead contest. of dropping my girls off at their so dance we, yeah. lesson every week, I should go in there and hang out with oh. all the moms. Sure. Absolutely. And, and, and get, get, get my <laughs> finger on the pulse of the dance world, and you I would should. have known yeah. that. Viking cheerleader world. Yeah. No, basketball dancers are good, though. Okay. That's They're, good cause, to know. Cause, Because dance moms are very sane, as opposed to football <laughs> yeah. and soccer moms. <laughs> they don't have anything invested. Just thousands of dollars every year, countless hours. Yeah. It's a weird uh, little world. Uh, 20 grand in outfits they'll never wear more than once in their life. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. We'll end, we'll end the podcast with Vince Flynn by saying, is this all really going on the show? <laughs> Yes. No, that was your son. I didn't it say was, that. <laughs> yeah. It was Andy. Thank that was Big you. Brother. Andy. Thank you very much for listening. Have you. a great day. Thanks for listening to the Tom Bernard Podcast. Follow Tom on Twitter at Radio Tom Bernard. Yep. And visit TomBernardPodcast.com. And thanks for stopping by.